listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. So good to be here, and if you were here last Sunday, uh, you will have heard a powerful message from Pastor Craig talking about the power of seed. And uh, he used the prop I heard in the prayer meeting when I was here earlier, so I went out the back to find a prop. I just want to keep up with the prop theme. And uh, I believe today that God wants to speak to all of us, myself included, and challenge our perspective and our perception, I guess, of what church is really about, what our lives are really about. We're talking about over these five weeks, how to live an empowered life. Uh, And I want to challenge you as much as myself to really listen for God's Word. Uh, Last week we talked about, obviously, the seed, the the importance of living a purposed life. Today we're going to look at the word planted and the importance of that plantedness and what it will bring into fruition in our life. But before we get going, I better show you a photo of my three kids now. I've had another kid since the last time I was here. So that's Ruby on the left-hand side, little cruiser in the middle there, Cruz, who's four months old, and Bella on the right-hand side. They were all uh, in the boat of Papa P going out to catch some fish. So that's my offspring, which is awesome, and I miss them already, but they are cuties and they keep us busy, which is great. Anyway, enough about that stuff. If you've got your Bible, I'd love for you to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 16, and we're going to read from verse 13 to 19, and we're going to read from the Message Bible because I love how this is put. If you didn't bring your Bible, then that's cool. We have it up on the screen for you, but it's probably a good thing to bring your Bible to church, just saying. It goes on and it says this, When Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, What are people saying about the Son of Man? What are people saying? What are people saying about who the Son of Man is? And they, they reply, these are the disciples that have been living with Jesus, seeing incredible things take place. Well, some think he is John the baptizer. Some say Elijah. Some Jeremiah or another one of the prophets. Jesus pressed them. And how about you? Who do you say I am? Not what does the preacher say? Not what does the church stand for? Not what is the crowd saying, but now he goes on, he says, okay, hold on, that's great, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter said, well, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus came back, God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer from books or from teachers. You got it from my Father in heaven. God himself let you in on the secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I'll put together my church. A church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Starting to get better now. Keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. If you're taking notes, you're looking for a title. We've called this message, The Pot or Not. The Pot 
or not. Father, we thank you for your presence in our life. Lord God, we thank you for your goodness in our life. And as we sit here this morning, Lord God, that we would not just do church, but we would encounter you. Father, I pray this wouldn't just be a message with great ideas or thoughts on a piece of paper. Lord God, that you would speak in and through me to each one of us here. We lean in and we believe your word has power to change our life from the inside out. Whether we've only been here for five minutes or we've been here for forever, we ask that you would speak to us in and through your word. I pray, Lord God, that you would take my words and anoint them as we lean into your word this morning in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Have you ever had that aha moment in your life? You know, the light bulb goes on, you're like, oh, I get it now. I'll never forget the moment I got glasses. I'll never forget it because it was the day after I got them that I was driving in my car and I didn't realize that you should actually be able to see road signs from a long way away. Like I remember going to someone's house and actually not missing the street sign because it was too late to turn by the time I could see it. It was like, woohoo! Like I remember walking down the street one day and I didn't have glasses. I was with my uncle and we were talking and, and I, I said to him, man, it's just, it's weird, eh? Like the Sky Tower seems to be, this is talking in Auckland, seems to kind of go two ways now. You know, it's not just this one point. He's like, have you ever thought about getting glasses? I was like, no, I'm 25. Why do I need glasses? And he goes, oh, you sound exactly like me. Try these. He took his glasses off and gave them to me. And I will never forget that moment of how clear everything became. I'm thankful for glasses now, and I really realize when I wake up and forget to put them on how quickly your vision can get blurred. But it's that aha moment that Simon has, one of the disciples, where Jesus presses them and says, cool, so you know who people say I am? Who do you say I am? And he's like, oh, 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 I know, I know. This is the guy that loves to talk a lot. You start to read the Bible a bit, you, you realize this is the guy that puts his foot in it most of the time. He's the guy that has said, hey, hey, you, you, you're the Messiah. We, we know it from the end back, so to speak. We can see what happens in the Bible. But in this moment, they're still trying to wrap their heads around this guy, Jesus, who's just like them, yet not quite like them. He's not like the Messiah that was taught about in the synagogues. He's actually very different. And that's why Jesus says, good on you, Simon. You didn't get this from teachers. You didn't get this from a preacher on a stage at 10 a.m. on Mark Street. You didn't get this from someone else. You got it from personal revelation. The aha moment that clicked into gear for him. This is the guy that Jesus then goes on to say, I will now, because of your understanding and revelation, build my church on you. And the challenge for you and I is to not just understand that we have seed in our lives that when someone can come into fruition, understanding is important. Understanding the potential we have, but the next click is to actually plant the seed to see a harvest. It's actually to activate the revelation, not sit on it and, oh, this is kind of one of those tricky questions. The curveball from Jesus, the rhetorical question, should I say something? Because last time I said something, it didn't go so well. Should, I, should we actually answer it or is Jesus just ready to slam dunk us again? Is it One of those moments and, and, and Peter was so convinced, Simon Peter, of 
who he was, that there was nothing that would stop him from activating his understanding. The question Jesus asks and really asks is not the first one. Hey, who do people say? He, he kind of wanted to soften the blow. Cool, that's good. Who is it you say? Come on, today, this morning, who is Jesus to you? What is the church to you if it's just something that clicks into our calendar on a Sunday morning because we want a good place for our kids to grow up in? If it's just a place where I go because I get a good feeling, or man, the coffee seems cheaper there than the church down the road, or there seems to be a few more friendly people, or the worship's really awesome. All of those things are great, don't get me wrong, but they won't sustain you or cause your life to produce fruit, as we're going to read in a few scriptures' time. I want to challenge you to have a personal revelation of not only your life and its potential, as was so brilliantly put last week from Pastor Craig, but that as you apply and plant yourself in his house, with your personal revelation, your life will begin to flourish. I love that the church is God's plan. For most people, they identify a church as a building, and we're in a great building, thank God for that, and I believe in the building, but the church is you and I, as we just read. Because of Simon's uh, revelation of who Jesus was, it was the gateway for Jesus himself to build his church on. What would our society or our city or our workplace or our family or our sports team look like? If every single Christian that believed in Jesus planted themselves in a local church and got a personal revelation for who Jesus was. Not just what the church believes. Come on, not just what other people say about it, but actually the understanding that I have the potential for Jesus himself to build his church on. I think our societies would look very different. I think our cities would have an answer for every need. I think our workplaces would be a place we actually, when 6 a.m. alarm goes off on Monday morning, get to a place where we're like, woohoo! work again rather than crap where's that snooze button (laughs) I believe it comes out of a personal revelation many people possess faith but fail to plant it or another way to put it many people attend church but don't plant themselves in the church your understanding my understanding my my perception your perception of the church, your revelation of what the church is and what it can be will determine your type of planting. We're going to look at that in a moment, but I love what Ephesians verse 1 and 23 says. The church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts and by which he fills everything with his presence. The church is the game changer. The church is the place that Jesus himself chose the expression to be. So what is the church to you? Is it a place, like I said, you turn up to and go away filled up for the next week? Good, that's what it should be. Or is it also a place where it's not just what you get, but what you And I get to be a part of. That the church, this service, should be a place we love to come. If it's not, we miss it. 
We're all for great services, but what we're not for is a happy, clappy club on a Sunday that doesn't cause you and I to outlive and outwork our purpose the way God's created our lives to be. The church is very, very important. But I believe the difference between whether you understand and have a full revelation of what God's establishing here or not is whether you are potted or planted. Potted or planted. The pot, the pot to me speaks of the ability for you and I, when potted, to be able to be moved around on our own. This is my poor example of a pot. It's a bit flexible, but it's good. A pot has the ability to be moved around. The pot, oh, come a tough season, can opt out. The pot is a place where, oh, there's a bit more sun over there for that part of the afternoon, so I'm going to get a bit more for myself. The pot is very flexible. But being planted is about making a decision to not move and in turn grow far greater than you could ever grow in the pot. You know, we just moved house recently, but the house we were in, I had at the same time planted a lemon tree and a lime tree. The lemon tree I planted in the ground the lime tree I planted in the pot. The reason for that was I'm Dutch by heritage, so I'm a little tight with money. And limes are an absolute rip-off. When you go to the supermarket in New Zealand, it's like something astronomical, like $29 a kilo for a lime. And I was like, well, I don't need a kilo of lime, and I don't have $29, so I'm going to plant it in a pot because I know I'm not going to stay at this house forever, and I want to take my limes with me. <laughs> Lemons, yeah, that can go on the ground. Same time, same size tree, but two different examples. The pot was based on me knowing I could move it. The ground, based on me not really caring because, well, lemons aren't that expensive. And what I started to discover was very quickly through the season of that first year how much quicker the ground was able to help produce fruit on that tree versus the pot. They both kind of grew similarly, but... That's not a real word, but anyway. <laughs> the, produ- the production of fruit come season time was not the same. The second season started to kick in, and that's where it really took over. That's where I started to realize the limitation of what the lime tree now had to deal with. The pot was a good-sized pot, but because the ground had natural nutrients that the pot never had, the lemon tree started to grow out of control. The lime tree was looking worse for wear. And the key difference 
was the deeper the root, the greater the fruit. The tree that was in the ground had the ability to go places the tree in the pot did not. And I want to challenge you and I in our lives because if we just turn up to church for what we get, that's great. That's what church should be about. But that's not where it stops. Fulfillment in Christ, living a life full of purpose, is actually getting to a place where you plant yourself in great soil that helps your life develop far more than the enjoyment you get from just turning up. I believe potted Christians, once again, I'll get back in my little pot here. (laughs) Potted Christians are put here lack personal responsibility. Not only do they lack personal responsibility, I think potted Christians now require constant watering. That lime tree needed a whole lot more watering than the lemon tree in the ground. The lemon tree had access to other nutrients the lime tree didn't. And the lime tree started to struggle not just because of the containment, but because it wasn't getting enough water that it needed. Potted Christians fail to reach full maturity. You can't grow into all that God's designed your life to be if you're living in a pot. It will always restrict and reduce your potential, my potential. Potted Christians produce infrequent and undersized fruit. I couldn't believe it that first year where the budding started to take place and I'm like, woohoo, this is awesome. I'm finally going to get lemons and limes for free. This is wicked. (laughs) Only to realize that the lemons were starting to get way too big before they were getting ripe. And the limes weren't getting big enough that I couldn't even get anything out of them because they were restricted by what I had planted them in. Potted Christians always want control and comfort, but ultimately always live in containment. Psalm 92 verse 12 to 14 says this, But the godly will flourish like palm trees, And grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. For they are transplanted to the Lord's own house and they flourish in the courts of God. Even in old age they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. The godly will flourish. It's the planting of your life. The planting of the seed of potential. Not someone else that can plant it for you. Only you and I have the decision. Sometimes I'm thankful, sometimes I'm frustrated that God gives us free will. <laughs> like, but it would just be so much easier if we all just had to do it and then we would realize the benefit of it. Yeah, we serve an incredible God where his love goes far beyond. He says, no, 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 I'm not going to make you do it. But when you do, you'll realize it was good for your life. We live in a society where the boundary lines are getting pushed and the grey zones are becoming far greater. Unfortunately, even a lot of churches today have people that 
say they believe in Jesus and his word, but say, hey, but on this one, you know, society, come on. It's a little bit progressed from when the Bible was written. So it's kind of okay to sort of sleep together before we're married or it's kind of okay to kind of just fit in and say those types of things. It's kind of okay and we start to drift because we're now living in a place where it's kind of okay because this is my space. Yet when you start to get out and be transplanted as God's talking about in his word, you start to rub up against others and realize actually it's not okay. Actually, I need to be realigned to what God's saying. Actually, there's, there's a bigger plan at work here and God will never force us to do something, but he'll give us the option to live his way. And in that discovery, the fullness of the remaining vital and green in old age becomes a reality. So if potted Christians are like that, on the contrary, I believe planted Christians commit to long-term roots. Planted Christians embrace God's house as a priority. This is one that was drilled into me whether I had a decision or not when I was younger. If you know the story of life, you'll know Pastor Paul and Marie started it over 26 years ago and we would be at everything as kids. I would frequently sleep under the seats in church because it was another prayer meeting on a school night, but that we had no other option. That's what it took. We were planted, even though there were times where I was like, man, I wish this wasn't the case. Fast forward all of these years, now I'm a parent, I get to give payback to my kids. And I remember <laughs> just a few months ago, Ruby, who's almost five years old, she kind of wakes up like a teenager. If you're a parent out there that's got teenagers, you know what I'm talking about. If you're a teenager, you'll know what I'm talking about. And on this particular Sunday morning, my kids absolutely love church, but she was super tired because we were out really late in an event on Saturday night. And I remember rolling in there and she hadn't woken up yet. I'm like, Ruby, we've got to go. Go where? To church. Normally that's enough. That works. She's like, no, Dad, I'm too tired. Leave me alone. She's kind of rolled over. I'm like, what kind of four-year-old have I got here, you know? <laughs> like, Ruby, come on. We've got to go. You need to get up. Dad, leave me alone. No, Ruby, we've got to go. We're off to church. And she said, do we have to go, Dad? And I just instantly, I guess it's because I've been in church my whole life. I was like, we don't have to go. We get to go. I'm like, yeah, that was awesome. I'm looking around for my friends like, man, that was good. And I'm like, Ruby's like, shut up, Dad, leave me alone. <laughs> just roll back over. I'm like, oh, dang it. But this priority should be something that we activate as planted people. What does that look like when there's road closures on the way to church? Oh, now I'm going to have to drive an extra 10 minutes around the long way. When I can't find a car park because I know we left late because the kids were having a nightmare and now it's raining and, oh, is it even worth it? When I've had a 21st or a wedding on a Saturday night, when I, whatever the reason may be, Planted Christians make a decision that God's house is the priority. And it never, ever ceases to amaze me that when, yes, and it may sound weird, a pastor saying this, I don't feel like going to church. It's those Sundays that are the ones that make the biggest difference in my life. Because there's something to be said about making God's house a priority.
planted Christians allow the required pruning. Uh, like I'm no specialist when it comes to these fruit trees, but I found it really hard as that lemon tree was going wild to keep cutting it back because it was producing fruit. But if I was to see it grow into all that it was called to, pruning was a must. And for all the other neighbours around, it may have looked like it was not going so well after the prune, and I was like, dang it, now it doesn't look like it's awesome. Not that I actually did anything, I just put it in the ground and the rest be rest, but I was like, yeah, that's mine, that's my lemon tree. But the pruning required made the biggest difference in the following season to the fruit that was produced. Planted Christians always have a continual supply. That lime tree never had a continual supply like the lemon tree did, as I mentioned. Planted Christians are secured in the storms of life. Planted Christians add value to the whole orchard. And planted Christians, as John 15 puts it, produce fruit, much fruit. Planted is the way to go, not potted, trust me. But the interesting thing for me is we think the pot this bad boy right here, we think it represents security. As humans, we think this here represents security in our life, but instead we actually end up living with insecurity. We think it's security, but the reality is once we get into the pot and we start to grow, all we need to do is look at someone that's planted and go, ooh, why have they got more fruit than me? Whoa. Why can't my life be like that? Well, what? God, where, where are you at here? I'm coming to church. Yeah, I might want it my own way, but I'm coming to church. Why, why are they growing? Like, where's my growth? Where's my growth? And we start to become insecure in our lives when we thought this represented security because it's mine. I've got control. This here is how I can develop my life, whereas being planted... It has a risk factor attached. Well, what happens if my roots touch someone else's roots and I don't like them? Well, what happens if someone takes some of my nutrients when it should have been my nutrients? Well, what happens, and we we talk ourselves out of being planted because we think we're going to lose out, so we choose the pot, thinking security is what it's going to end up with. Unfortunately, it goes the other way. Proverbs 18 verse 1 says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire and he rages against all wise judgment. Not only do we think the pot represents security, but actually it ends in insecurity. We think the pot gives us personal gain, but it ends in personal pain. We think it will give us a personal gain because we know best. I'm speaking from my own life of experience. We think that if I can set up my life in such a way of personal gain, I'll be good, but actually it ends in personal pain. We grow. Yes, we grow. We grow. We can control what we put into this pot. So I keep putting in fertilizer and I grow and I grow, but there comes a point. As I've discovered, I've still got the lime tree even though I've moved house and it lost a fair few leaves and any potential fruit on the back of the trailer as I drove it down the motorway 
at 90 kilometres an hour. But we think we can just control it by adding what we need. And we grow, but we get to a point where we start hitting the edge. We get to a point where the roots can't go down. We get to a point where we fail to be able to grow any further. And now we're stuck. We're stuck because we can't get past it. Oh, well, we'll just find a bigger pot. Yeah, that's great. But if you do any study on transplanting of, of, of mature trees or plants, it takes another couple of years for the roots to be established before any growth can take place. And so the enemy will try and get us to pot ourselves in a church. Yeah, I'm here. I'm in. Just, it just has to be kind of on some of these terms. Because the last church I was at, well, someone hurt me. Or the last church I was at, you know, they, they weren't that great with finance. Or the last church I was at, you know, I wanted to be a worship leader, but they said, no, you can be on the choir. Or the last church, and there's all these reasons for why we pot ourselves. Not saying they're wrong, but unfortunately they end to a place where we thought it was personal gain. But it ends up in personal pain because we can't grow to where we need to. And I also think at times we think the pot helps us to be fruitful, but we realize when the winds come, we end up being fruitless. Due to the size of our lives and the inability to grow to what we could be, we now are more susceptible to the winds of life or the storms that come our way than what we would be with the pot, uh, with the, the tree in the ground. I'll never forget a bad storm that came through Auckland a year or so ago that, if you know anything about New Zealand, the predominant wind is probably the same here in terms of our cold and prevailing wind is a southwesterly. And the lemon tree that's planted in the ground is open and exposed to that southwester. And the lime tree was in behind the house on the deck and so was somewhat protected from it. This storm came through and when I woke up in the morning, I look out the window and the lemon tree's all good. No worries there, a few leaves on the ground, but that's about it. The lime tree, the pot's fine, but the lime tree's... I had to tie it up to the fence with a couple of shoelaces I found from some shoes I don't use anymore just to get it upright again. It had to stay tied for another 18 months before it was able to stay on its own that way. And we think that the pot's the way to go because we can add what we want and have it on our terms so we can be fruitful, but we end up fruitless when something unexpected comes our way. We get taken out because we were in a pot rather than being planted, interwoven with other people's lives, strong enough to stand the test of time, strong enough to challenge the winds that come our way. And that's why it's so important for us to realize that God calls us to be planted. I don't think you can get planted until you have a personal revelation of who Jesus is, discover your purpose in him. But the moment you choose to plant yourself is the moment your life comes alive. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for our senior pastors. And they have stood the test of time. And one of the things, if you ever got a chance to ask them, 
And I probably get more chances than most because I'm the son. But it's like, what would be something? Like, well, what would you encourage people with? It's like, if you would just plant yourself and stick it out long enough. Every single person we look at and say, man, we wish we were like them, whether it's an Olympic champion, come on, whether it's a successful businessman, the Insta mum, whoever it is you aspire to be, <laughs> we don't know what it's taken for them to get there. We haven't seen the day in, day out training for four years. We just see the final ride. We just see the end result and we go, that's what I want, but it's taken years of deep root systems to see a result produced. Let's be Christians that don't live in the pot, but plant ourselves in God's house. The best way I think, you go, oh, this is all great, but I don't even know where to start. You come to a good place, first of all. But we as a church are so passionate about your life discovering its purpose in Christ that we would rather that be the case than all of what we have in a service. We harp on about it every single week and you'll see it everywhere, but next steps is the answer to your need. Oh, well, I, I, I just don't know if I'm ready to do next steps. Cool. When you're ready, we're waiting. Hey, why do you keep talking about next steps? Or why do we have to watch another video of a great life? Or, you know, until you do next steps, you won't realize the power that it has to change your life. Week one is all about what we believe as a church. If you don't know what we believe as a church, then I, I've got to put it out there. You're probably not going to be able to plant yourself. I don't want to plant myself somewhere I don't know about. Week two gives you an opportunity to know where we've come from and where we're going. That's another really important thing in being able to plant yourself. Week three, it's an exciting week. You get to know who you are in Christ through the spiritual gift assessment and a personality test. Don't worry, you can't fail the tests. That's always a good thing. And then week four, you get a chance to meet the team. Next steps is the answer for you to move from this and plant yourself in an orchard where now you are not only enriched by others, you're now going to grow to be someone that is the answer for someone else. Oh, but you don't know what my life's like, Luke. <laughs> like I, I'm kind of new here, and you know, even this week I've had some pretty rough stuff happen. Or I, I just don't feel like I could ever be used by God yet. Well, the good news is, as we read in the first scripture, the same guy, Simon, who Jesus chose to build his church on, a few scriptures later, is the same guy that denies three, three times Jesus. Jesus even predicts it. Now, if you know Jesus, you know He's all God. So He already knows what's going to take place. So He says, hey, good on you, Simon. You've made the right call. You've aced it. You didn't get that from some books. You got that from your own revelation. Because of your revelation, I'll build my church. He's saying all that, and He already knows that in a few days' time, the rooster's going to crow. <laughs> Same guy. And Jesus says, I will build my church on you. If it was good enough for Simon, it's good enough for you and me. Jesus even says to him, hey, a little later, hey, you're going to deny me. Nah, not me, bro. You know, remember that? I aced the test. 
I, I was the only one out of the 12 that got to say what, you know, it was awesome. You're building the church on me. I'll never deny you. No, no, you'll deny me and hate to break it to you, buddy, you'll deny me three times. I can only imagine the thoughts as the rung out. No, not again. (laughs) And we disqualify ourselves. We let ourselves be robbed of the fullness God has because of our own insecurity or our own view on our life. And we fail to realise time and time and time again, Jesus has, will, and always will choose people like you and me. We don't have to subscribe to be perfect. We just have to plan ourselves in His house. Do the test of time and you'll be surprised. You'll be gobsmacked. You will look back and go, why did I not do this sooner? Why didn't I kick the bucket? (laughs) So to speak. Because God has far more destined for your life than you could ever imagine. The enemy's plan right from back in Genesis has always been to get you and I out of the garden. Always been. But as the book of John 15 verse 5 verse 8 says, Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burnt. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. God's destined your life and my life to produce much fruit, to bring glory to Him. The question lies with you and I, will we be potted or will we be planted? We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.